it's like a it's like a roller coaster. I'm not always like at like the top and excited and energized, but when I am, it is all worth it and it's very exciting. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Imperfect Company Podcast. I'm Arlena. And I'm Mariah. And we are actually going to skip an intro this week because we're recording this right after recording last week's episode. And we know we left y'all hanging for part two, and we have a lot to say just like we did last week. So we wanted to hop right into this week's episode, continuing our discussion on balancing joy as you're creating a business from a hobby. We wanted to get started by talking about boundaries when you're starting to monetize a hobby. And this is huge personal preference. So I feel like it's hard for us to give like specific advice, but we can give an example of what we do personally. And I know for me, one of the biggest boundaries that helps is leaving time for me to create for myself. So even if it's just like, while Adam and I are watching Netflix, I might be like lettering and like doodling on my iPad. Like I'm creating something that is just for me, not for Instagram, not for a client, not for a commission, just for me, even if it never sees the light of day or maybe it will, but just allowing myself to like create freely with my lettering, I think really helps me make sure to feel like I haven't like lost that joy that it brings me. Yeah. That's the same with me. I really, I try to occasionally pick up something new or do something without sharing it on social media, especially because sometimes when I share on social media, I feel like a pressure to keep it going. Or like if someone messages me saying, oh, that's so cool. Or, oh, I really like that. Then I might get in my head like, oh man, I should be selling it. So I try to keep at least the beginning stages of me learning something new um, off social media until I realize, you know, whether or not I enjoy it, whether or not I think my followers would enjoy watching it, um, whether or not it might be something I might try to monetize in the future. Um, I like to keep it to myself. And that helps with figuring out whether or not it does truly bring me joy, because sometimes that can get kind of muddled if you have other people in your corner saying, um, oh, that's so cool. Or, you know, it can bring you almost false joy (laughs) because other people are enjoying it. Well, and like, especially I think with you, like you letter in so many different ways, right? Like you have your stationary clients, you have your branding clients, you have your Etsy shop. Like, do you leave time at all during your weeks to create anything that's like for you and not Instagram with lettering? Or do you like only use other hobbies now? (laughs) That's such a good question. Um, (laughs) I very occasionally do stuff for me or, you know, most of the time I would say, the things that bring me the most joy are doing stuff for other people. So um, maybe I don't do it just for me or just like, you know, for no reason. Instead, I pick up something and make something for, you know, a friend or uh, for a gift or something where I'm using my lettering, using my artistic skill and doing something for someone else, because that is what that's like, I know people talk about like, you know, love languages and things like that. And like one of the things is like receiving gifts. Well, my my language of love is giving gifts. And I that's something that truly brings me joy. And so I feel that joy outside of monetizing it because I'm doing something for someone else that isn't going to make me any money and in fact costs me money. But 
I love doing it. And I like to use that as an opportunity to kind of stretch my creative side and see whether or not I like doing something. And I think I've said it before on the podcast, but Mariah is like the best gift giver. Like she puts so much thought and effort into her gifts and packages everything so beautifully. And yeah, so I totally agree. Not only does it make you feel good, but I think that your gifts specifically, like you just go like the extra mile for everybody. So I think it brings everybody joy. Um, (laughs) But I also think that like bringing up creating for family and friends is such a good segue into like testing monetizing hobbies, because I think that... This is so hard to like put into words without sounding negative, but I think the problem that so many people make, of course, when you're first getting started with a business, regardless of what it is, whether it's a creative business or maybe you have an idea for a restaurant or I don't know, insert whatever topic here that you want. A lot of people go to their family or close friends. They go to their immediate circle and they are like, hey, like I want to start baking. Like I would love to, you know, have a party Saturday night and everybody come over and we can like taste test different flavors or, you know, I want to start painting more. So I'm going to, you know, create this nursery gift for my girlfriend and then maybe she'll buy one from me for you know, this other friend of ours that's pregnant or whatever your idea is, right? Um, These are probably not good examples, but I'm just thinking about them off the cuff. But my point here and what I'm trying to get at is it's a really great place to start. It's a really good way to like learn more about yourself and to give like a purpose to your creation. But I think the biggest problem that people have is your close circle is not always your ideal audience, So you need to think about like who your market is, right? Like who are your customers? Who are you marketing to? Who is your ideal customer? If it's somebody who matches the demographics of your close friends, I think that's awesome. And it means they're probably a great place to start getting opinions. But if it's not, then just remember that and like take their opinions with a grain of salt because I just think so often we forget that like, oh, hey, the internet is like a really gigantic place and I'm not only selling to these people in my close circle. It's Again, it's a great way to get started. It's a great opportunity to have people to cheer you on. But I've said it before on podcast episodes, uh, but nobody will cheer you on as much as internet strangers. At least that's my opinion. And so I think um, while it's awesome to have supportive family and friends, not everybody has that. And it doesn't mean that your idea is destined to fail. It probably means that they're not your ideal audience. So if you're feeling discouraged for whatever reason, if, if you feel like that what I'm talking about might apply to you, take some time and like seriously consider who your market persona is and what that ideal customer looks like. And then take a look at the people whose opinions are making you think twice and see if they fit because I'd be willing to bet they probably don't. And so it's just something to keep in mind. Yeah. And I think that a lot of that and the reason why we probably do that and we try to you know, find people to give stuff to or test things out for uh, is to minimize waste. Like, I don't like just doing things just to do things and I then have it laying around. I'd rather have a real project in mind. But I agree with what you're saying about your audience and who you would want to sell to if you choose to sell it. And so another option for doing something like that is to, um, you know, for example, create a swap with someone else and you're doing something unique and maybe you find someone, if your target audience is other small business owners or something, find a small business owner, arrange a swap, find someone who, um, you know, 
who would enjoy those products and test it out on them or, you know, find a a blogger or like uh, an influencer or something and send them something for free that's testing um, if you don't want to, you know, quote unquote waste, which I don't think that it's necessarily waste because um, if you're testing new things, um, it's all a business expense. It's a part of doing business. Um, But then you can at least get, you know, that feedback from people who maybe are in your target audience or, you know, also an opportunity to advertise in that way. I think it's also important to emphasize, like you can start small, like something that I always wanted to do in the last few years. And I felt like I never had the time or space or capacity to do it was craft fairs. Like I really wanted to do a local craft fair because to me it like one was a great way to be able to sell things I'm already selling, but also to sell some things that I might not sell on my website or on my Etsy. Um, and something, some things that I might just enjoy to do like locally or on a smaller scale. Obviously I have not done that because since I have gone full-time with my business, I, uh, have been existing in a global pandemic as all of you have. So I know some areas have started back doing craft fairs again. It's just not something I'm comfortable with doing at this point in time. Um, too many like phalanges on things that would be coming back to my home. And I don't know, kind of, kind of just not feeling that, but I know that's something I'm really looking forward to doing is being able to test out stuff and then be able to see how it goes on a smaller scale. And maybe if it goes really well, it's something I might sell on my website or on my Etsy in the future, or maybe I won't. Mm -hmm. And all of that being said, that goes right into your business and what kind of tactics you want. And we're here to tell you that it's okay to have multiple niches. If that makes you happy and you enjoy it, why not? Like, okay, for example, I love doing macrame. I think I'm actually really good at it, uh, but it costs a lot of money to do and all that. And I've been testing it out quite a bit. I haven't since I moved because like, it's just been crazy. But like, say I decided, okay, I'm going to start selling macrame like wall hangings or whatever. Okay. Now I do wedding stationery, branding design, uh, my Etsy store with like personalized things and shirts and now macrame. That's fine. If it makes me happy, I think that it's worth it. That joy, that base of that joy is what's going to make me a better business owner in the end. And, you know, things can always evolve. If I decide, oh, I don't like doing macrame anymore. I don't like selling it. It's too much pressure. I can take it out and, you know, my business can evolve. And if you only want to do one niche and you want to focus your business on one thing, we think that's awesome too. I think the whole purpose of us discussing this in this episode is obviously this episode is geared way more towards the creative industry um, and artists and creators in general, because um, that's what Mariah and I have experience with. And that's how we um, feel a kind of pulled in some different directions sometimes, but have found ways to like ground ourselves. Obviously, you know, there are a hundred other industries where you do need to pick a niche, right? Like you're not going to pick a baker to build your house for you. Um, and so I think that keeping that in mind is important as well, because just because you can monetize something does not mean that you should. And I think that that is what is the problem with a lot of like new business owners that I speak with on social media. I think they see success on Instagram and they see like people packing orders and they forget that they've had like unsuccessful launches. 
you know, so they'll say like, oh, nobody wants my product or I feel like I don't know what direction I'm going with my business. But that is part of being a business owner. Like Mariah and I have felt those same feelings, but we felt them. We allowed ourselves the space to be upset or to be pouting for, for lack of a better like description. Um, but we also allowed ourselves the space to like push ourselves creatively and like, okay, my customers didn't like this, but what else can I do? Uh, like one example is I did a Christmas in July launch last year and I did Christmas ornaments in the month of July and I had some sales, but I didn't hit the goal that I had set for myself and that I thought was a relatively like moderate goal. Like I thought it was going to be, I knew I would have to work for it, but I thought it was going to be relatively easy to achieve. Um, and I didn't come close and like half my orders were from funny enough, like good friends, uh, and friends of friends. And I still think that's awesome, but it just shows you that like, you can have thousands and thousands of people in your community online. And sometimes like the message just doesn't hit like, And also if you're a business owner and you owned your business for a few years, you've probably like recognized the summer slump before it's no different than like the month of January is often like very slow after the holidays for business owners. And so keeping in mind that too, like and figuring out ways that you can work around that or what your customers are really wanting and keeping in mind that like not everything you launch as a business owner is like going to sell out or is going to be like the best thing. It's great if it is, uh, but setting yourself up with that level of expectation, I feel like you're just setting yourself up to be like upset and filled with self-doubt all the time. Because again, part of being a business owner is like recognizing what your customers want or need and like being able to look at trends and being able to say like, okay, my customers really like Uh, my stickers. So I'm going to make pins or my customers really love uh, my custom designs. So I'm going to start offering branding, whatever it is that you're offering, you know, there is space to evolve. That's part of what makes you as a business owner special. Yeah. So like Arlena was saying, um, and basically the whole topic of the, this episode and our last one is that there's a balance you have to figure out. And this is all personal preference. You have to figure out what gives you joy and continues to give you joy because something could give you joy in the beginning and then you start working on it and doing it. And then all of a sudden it does not give you joy anymore or enough joy to keep you going. Then, you know, maybe that's not the thing you want to monetize. You kind of have to find that balance for yourself. And, you know, some people's balance and this doesn't sound, this sounds super weird, but some people's balance is monetizing literally everything they've ever done. Some people's balance is monetizing one little hobby that you love to do and keeping the rest of it to yourself. Because if that's where you find your joy, then that's what you should be doing. Because if you're not happy with, you know, what you're doing in your business or, making that money, then it's probably not worth it in the long run because like your mental health is important in that way. And like, I know when I, it's like my mental health can get in the way sometimes. And I like to be really aware of how I'm feeling and whether or not this is the right direction to be going. 
And it's okay to change. It's okay to change your mind, um, but you need to find that balance for yourself so then you can be the best business owner possible for yourself at that moment. Another example was last year I made wedding signs for my best friend because she got married and I had a couple of messages like, oh my gosh, I'm interested. Like, when are you going to be offering these? And I was like, actually, I'm not going to be. At the time, like I did not have the space or again, like the capacity in general to be able to be creating creating like large wedding signs. And it's still something that like I don't plan on doing right now. And it's like, just because they looked great, I'm very proud of them. And everybody loved them. She loved them. It was a great gift. It was a great way for me to be able to like create and be part of their special day and like do something special for them. It brings me a lot of joy. Um, but she's also like one of the few people in the world I love enough to, uh, like go out of my way to do all of those things because that's just not something that like brings me joy right now. Right. It's like, I, I know like the bringing joy phrase is like kind of overused in the past like couple of years, but it's so true. And at my last position as a college instructor, something I always told my students throughout the semester was don't follow the advice, like do what makes you happy because like being happy in a job can mean so many different things. Like you could hate the work you do, but love the people you work with. And therefore you're like happy or you are happy because like the benefits are like good and like you don't hate the job, but like that doesn't necessarily mean that like you are truly happy. Like happy is just an emotion. It is chemicals in our brain. And I don't want to discount, like obviously being happy does matter, but the way that I always worded it, because it was something that helped me in my journey was I instead want to do what brings me energy. Like I don't necessarily need to be doing something or in a job that brings me happiness because there are too many factors that control happiness or not being happy, but I want to be in something that like makes me feel energized. Like when I'm doing my job, like I'm happy to be there. I'm happy. I'm excited to be like doing what I'm doing. And even on the bad days where like, I don't want to be there or I don't want to be doing my job or in this case, like owning my business, like I still overall, like the positives way outweigh the cons. And so if you're somebody who's like, just like content in most jobs, think to yourself, like, okay, maybe Arlena has a point and not saying that I do, because like I said, this advice definitely is not for everybody, but I feel like there's gotta be at least a couple of you listening to this who feel like I do and like following what makes you happy, like ugh, happiness. Like there's so, there's so many factors that go into that. Like, I just feel like the best advice that I needed to hear. And so that I will continue to share with people is like, do what brings you energy. Because if every single day you come home and you are too drained to cook dinner, you want to sit on the couch and watch Netflix. You don't want to take your dog for a walk. You don't want to talk to your friends. You want to shut off your phone and like meditate on the couch or like go to sleep immediately and wake up and do it all again the next day. Do I have days like that? Absolutely. But if every day of my life was like that, I know that I'm not in the right job. And I've been in positions like that before where I've been absolutely miserable all day, every day. And it makes me a shitty person. Like I am not myself. It screws with my mental health, which then screws with my sleep schedule and like my overall well-being. And I think that it's important um, for you listening to know that like that's not normal. Like please don't feel like you have to just scrape by. Unfortunately, like we don't all get a choice. Like we have to put food on the table. We have to keep a roof over our head. So this process is not quick by any means. But if you're 
coming home every day and you feel drained, like start thinking about what brings you energy and what gets you excited because you deserve to wake up and feel excited. And even if it's not in your job and it's during your lunch break or it's after hours, like if you're content enough in your job, just start looking for other places that can bring you joy. Maybe it's cooking. Maybe it's working out. Maybe it's a hobby. My mother lives to do puzzles, even though they absolutely like frustrate the hell out of her. Um, you know, think about what gets you excited and what you can look forward to and start following some of those things. Yeah. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. Cause like when we're talking about this and we're talking about things that bring you joy, all of the things that I do in my business do not give me joy a hundred percent of the time. There's no way things are a pain in my ass. I like, you know, there are some days where I just like don't want to do anything. But like Arlena said, the energy thing is a really good component because like, for example, I am a small business owner. This is my full-time job. And most people are like, okay, full-time job, 40 hours a week. No, no, no. My small business is like, I would say I spend uh, maybe 80 hours a week on my business. And um like most of the time it's because I have so much energy and I'm so excited to get projects done. And then there are some weeks where I'm like, I can't do anything today. I can't do anything. I'm just not going to work at all today because like I am burnt out. I need time. I need time to just recuperate. And like the things that were bringing me joy are pissing me off. And so I need to just rest and figure it out. But then like, you know, I get that spark of energy again. It's like a, it's like a roller coaster. I'm not always like at like the top and excited and energized, but when I am, it is all worth it. And it's very exciting. And when I look back at like, you know, the last year or whatever, I have an overwhelming feeling of joy. And that's kind of what you want to look at. Personally, I am a huge proponent of death to the 40-hour work week. It's something that I was hoping was going to come from the pandemic, but that is an entirely separate episode and probably not meant for this podcast, but I could rant about it for hours at a time. Um, I don't know. Every job is different. There are jobs that certainly require a a specific number of hours. But when you look at the history of a 40-hour work week, you look at the changes in technology, you look at the changes in just human psychology and our motivations and our productivity levels, screw the 40-hour work week. And as a business owner, sometimes that does mean working 80 hours or more. Other times it means being able to take vacation with no notice because you deserve it and you control your own schedule. And sometimes it just means like being able to pick up your kids from school or, you know, volunteer at their school or volunteer in your local community or having the flexibility to, you know, sit on a board of directors it for a nonprofit that you're passionate about, like whatever it means, like Unfortunately, like there are so many jobs that just pay people to do nothing and sit at a desk for 40 hours, right? Like they're a chair warmer. I've been there. I have been an hourly employee and I understand how frustrating that is because there's a lot of people who can do a job in less than 40 hours, but that is part of the beauty of being a business owner is being able to control that schedule. I think for me, 
The other part of like working as a business owner is there are so many hours of the week where I'm not working, but I'm also not not working. Like I'm like on Instagram or commenting back to people or answering an email. You know, we talked about this in our episode a month or two ago about boundaries, but sometimes like I even forget like, Arlena, you're working, like stop, like get off your phone. Like, you know, it is what it is. And it's just about like reminding myself or reminding each other, like to give yourself space and, and time off and time away, whatever that means for you. But I know I feel like I waste a lot of hours of my week now doing that where, you know, again, I like sat on Instagram for too long or I wanted to start this project, but like I did so much brainstorming and I couldn't figure out what I liked. And like, it took me three times as long as I thought it was going to. And you know, but that is what it is. Like that's part of the gig, but I definitely know that that's, I think that's like a very specific struggle with like tracking the hours you work as an entrepreneur. Uh, I feel like it's almost impossible to quantify because like if I wake up in the middle of the night, like my brain starts going and yeah, I'm not working. Okay. But I'm also not, not working. Like I'm not relaxed. Like I should not be thinking about that right now. But at the same time, I think that it's a catch 22 because that's also what allows you sometimes to be successful in business. I am not a huge fan of like the hustle culture and like the idea that like you need to be burning yourself out to be successful, but I am a believer that it ebbs and flows. I loved Mariah's comparison to a roller coaster because like there certainly are going to be weeks where you need to work 80 hours and there's certainly going to be weeks where you might not have to do anything if you set yourself up correctly. And so take advantage of that, right? Like take advantage of the ebb and flow. Oh yeah. I take full advantage of that because I uh, personally... I have some medical issues that I deal with. Um, I have some autoimmune disorders and there's some days where I physically cannot, like I have a hard time just walking up the stairs to my office and doing things. But because I use that energy that I feel for like when I'm doing things, when I want to work, I use that energy and I, I, I guess I almost overwork myself, but in the end it balances out. And then I have this freedom that is the whole reason why I do this thing. And the freedom is just everything to me. And it's the whole reason why I love being a small business owner, because I can do that. I can just take a day off. As long as like, you know, my emails aren't like piling up or whatever, but I can. It's one of the reasons why when you have that joy and like Arlena said, with the energy, you just, if you bring that energy over and over again, you can also take advantage of when you don't have the energy to do anything. We've been talking a lot about monetizing based on joy and the hobbies that you have, but there's a whole other element to this that is not quite as fun, I would say, and very economy-based. So there's so much pressure right now, especially things are incredibly expensive. I think about like, uh, like health insurance, for example, is just so expensive. And sometimes you need that extra income. So when you're thinking about someone like, for example, a stay-at-home mom who has chosen to stay at home with their kids because, uh, Daycare is ridiculously expensive and most of the time it makes more sense. But then you see that there's only one income in their family and now the mom feels pressure to make a little extra money, add on to what their husband is doing. And they have this pressure to start a side hustle because I feel like it's everywhere. You see everyone with a side hustle. I think of 
of like MLM specifically, which is a whole other topic. That's oh my gosh, literally you read my mind because I was about to hop in and say like, there are certain industries that just are completely exploitative of Mm -hmm. stay at home mothers specifically. And I know, uh, because I have a lot of friends that are stay at home moms and I also see people online, like, especially as a military spouse, like, you know, I see people get sucked into MLMs and, and it's really, really frustrating from my perspective because unfortunately there's been a lot of like increased transparency in the last few years. I think, um, it's become a lot more common to talk about it for so long. There was not a lot of information and like, you know, they call it network marketing and you think that you're getting into this great gig. If this statement offends you, I am not sorry because I feel very strongly that unfortunately the majority of MLMs are male owned. Okay. Take a look. If you're in an MLM, take a look at who owns your company. If it's a woman, congratulations. You are one of the few because unfortunately male owned corporations have taken advantage specifically of women oftentimes stay-at-home mothers, single mothers who are already working and, you know, they're sold as like, oh, make some extra money from your phone. I don't want to be too harsh because there are some MLMs that are not exploitative in the way that we're discussing. Maybe they don't have monthly requirements for you to buy and, um, you know, maybe you're, you're not being taken advantage of in that way. And that's a good thing because there are unfortunately so many MLMs that, you know, require a certain amount of merchandise to be purchased a month. And you end up going into debt over this thing that was going to be so easy um, because you're being sold into this oftentimes, unfortunately, like fake lifestyle. Um, And you also see that a lot with influencers, like, like social media has become just like a highlight reel. So it's so easy to like, look at something and think, you know, I wish I had that or, oh, like, look at how easy it is to make all of that money or like, look at the car they're driving, but like, you know, it's rented or like it's leased. Like they don't actually own it. They're not actually like, I, I don't know. And again, to be fair, there's nothing wrong with leasing a car. I don't want to, I don't, don't want anybody listening to that to think that that's my opinion. I just mean, there is something wrong with it when you're using it to sell a lifestyle that you don't actually have. Right. Like if you're selling the fact that like, oh, I live in this house and I drive this Lambo and like, oh, you rented it on Airbnb and you're renting this car for the day. Like you're a shitty human being. And, um, I think unfortunately there are a lot of industries that take advantage of people who need most of the time to make extra money and who unfortunately do not have somebody in their life to educate them on the exploitative tactics that these companies use to make millions and millions of dollars on the backs of women. And again, oftentimes mothers and it's screwed up and it makes me angry and I'm going to get off my soapbox now, but I will not hesitate to get back on. And again, I don't mean to say that every person in an MLM is bad, but I will tell you, you're not a business owner. You're not a business owner. How do you file your taxes? You probably have a 1099. It's very different, but with that like kind of boom of MLMs and side hustles, there is a, a serious pressure. And that's why people are so easily pushed into those kind of situations because they feel like that's what everyone is doing. That's what all stay-at-home moms are doing. They're, they all have a side hustle. They're all contributing to 
the amount of money. But and like not saying that it's good or bad, you have to go either way. That's all dependent on your own feelings, your own income and whatever. Like there is this insane amount of pressure and can kind of take away that joy that we are trying to, you know, tell you to to push in when you start like a side hustle or you start monetizing something you love. Like you want to make sure you have that joy and that external pressure can really throw that out of whack. So you just want to like be careful with it. I want to jump in to first say um, not everybody has a side hustle. Again, it goes back to like this fake reality that is sometimes on social media Um, you know, if you feel that way, please don't because not everybody is meant to have a side hustle. Not everybody should have a side hustle. Not everybody should own a business. I think that is one of the biggest mistakes that some like entrepreneurial gurus make, um, is, you know, how easy it is to own a business and they really glamorize it when that that's not the case. And there is so much to be said to get to go to work and, have a consistent paycheck and have benefits and be doing something that you love surrounded by people that you love, hopefully in a corporation that's going to reward you for those things. And you get to go home to your family and you don't have to think about things. Um, and, and there's a lot of beauty in that. So please, please don't feel like you have to have a side hustle. I get really heated about the stay at home mom debates because again, I have, I have friends that have done both. Um, I had, was very lucky. Like my parents, again, they were older. They were both retired by the time I was raised, but when they were younger, you know, my mother was a homemaker. If somebody tries to make you feel less than because you're not financially contributing, I want you to, first of all, uh, give a big middle finger to that human being because they're a terrible human being. Second Mm -hmm. of all, I want you to consider creating a spreadsheet for the average cost of childcare in your area for the average cost of all of the things that you do every day. Like think about how much people pay for personal assistance, chefs, nannies, maids, and all of these roles that that go into creating a successful home and that you as a mother on top of the hardest job in the world like raising children like and humans that are going to like carry on like some sort of you know legacy in this world like that is such such an amazing amazing responsibility and you do so much that absolutely contributes to the household. And most of you are probably rolling your eyes and you're like, yeah, duh. Like I know that, but unfortunately like they read stuff online, like, especially on like TikTok, Um, and it's so gross because it's like, these people have no idea what goes into keeping a home and keeping people alive and fed and, you know, and, and so I just want you to know that I have a special place in my heart for stay at home parents. When Adam and I decide to have children, I hope that I'm in a position where I'm able to stay at home with the children if I choose to. I think that is the beauty of being able to be a woman existing in this time is like being able to choose. You know, we might have children and I might be like, I want to go back to work. Uh, I might scale my business to part time. I might, um, you know, I have no idea what I'm going to do because I'm not a parent, but I love the concept of being able to have that choice of like, you can have it both. Like, don't feel like because you're a woman that you have to choose because that is one of the most frustrating things and like narratives that I get so amped up and angry about. And it's why I'm on this tangent and I need to stop talking is just because you as a woman, like you do not have to choose between owning a business and being a mother or having a career and staying at home. Like it's not going to be easy but I promise you that you can have it any way you want it. 
that is the beauty of existing in a modern time and the feminist movements that came before us and the torch that we each as women are going to carry on for our future daughters, I think is so beautiful and so magical. And it's extremely, extremely hard these days for people to afford to stay at home with the children. And if you're able to do that, I want you to know that like your sacrifice does not go unseen. I think it is absolutely amazing what you're doing. And if you want to have a side hustle, I think that's cool. And if you don't, I also think that's cool. And I'm going to stop ranting now because y'all are probably like, Arlena, we don't care. I'm not even a mom. Please stop talking. (laughs) I think that all relates back to everything that we've said the last two episodes that you have the choice to monetize your hobby. If you want to, you have the choice to start a, a side hustle or not. Like you don't have to, we're just talking from the perspective of that's what we did. And that's what we enjoy, but not everyone's going to enjoy that. So you have the choice, especially as a woman you can do whatever the hell you want. We're here for it. We will support you, whatever choice you make. But anyways, I wanted to kind of close out this episode with a quote. Um, I'm sure if you're a business owner, even if you're not, you've probably seen this, but the original quote that I don't know why it was such a thing for so long is do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And uh, Adam J. Kurtz is an author and he decided to switch that and turn it into do what you love and you'll work super fucking hard all the time with no separation or any boundaries and also take everything extremely personally. But I feel like that, if that doesn't sum up having a small business, I don't know what, I don't know what will. Mike drop. <laughs> so thank you guys for sticking around for two episodes. Uh, let us know what you think. And uh, we would love to hear about what you're doing right now. If you're trying to monetize any of your hobbies, if you're starting anything new, if you want to share literally anything with us, or if you have questions about kind of testing it or just like advice because we've done it all let us know feel free to send us an email uh you can reach us at hello at imperfectcompanypodcast.com or you can always send us a dm on instagram at imperfect company and we would be happy to help we're always always looking at that instagrams and with that being said uh that's all we've got for you guys this week so we will talk to y'all next thursday and until then we hope you have a great weekend and we'll talk to y'all then bye y'all bye Thank you for listening to this episode of the Imperfect Company Podcast. If you'd like more information about today's episode, you can go to imperfectcompanypodcast.com slash episode 12. If you'd like to connect with us on social media, you can follow us at Imperfect Company on Instagram and at Imperfect Company Podcast on Facebook. You can find Arlena at Bossy Brushstrokes on Instagram, and you can find me, Mariah, at MJ Creative Co. If you like today's episode, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you like to listen. Our theme song is Clocks by Brasco, and we will talk to you all next week. <laughs>